can provide a, a good foundation for us to start from this morning. Last week's message was entitled, Walk by Faith in the Spirit. And this is going to be Walk by Faith in the Spirit, Part 2. And of course, we take this from a few, this title comes from a few distinct passages. 2 Corinthians 5 and 7, For we walk by faith, not by sight. Walk by faith, not by sight. And we said walking by faith is the ability to see beyond the way things appear to be and also the ability to respond based upon the way things truly are. In 2 Corinthians 4 and 18, we're told to not look at what we see, I'm sorry, to not look to what we see, but to the things which are not seen, for the things which are seen are temporary, but the things which are not seen are eternal. Now, what he's talking about here, that which is not seen, He's referring to the, to the realm of the spirit, the spirit realm. And the Bible teaches and explains to us that everything we can see, everything that is visible, came from a place, a world, a realm, if you will, that we cannot see, that which is invisible. Which means this visible realm is a product of an invisible source. Amen. And Jesus taught us a lot about that. He said the miracles that that people witnessed with their own eyes that he performed on this earth as a man were like wind blowing through a tree. You don't know where the wind comes from or where it goes, but you see the visible effect of it. And he, he said the kingdom coming and the miracles being performed were like that. They were visible signs from an invisible source. And that, that invisible source, that realm of the spirit, amen, that gave birth to everything that is physical and visible is what we're calling the fourth dimension. Now, uh, Pastor Bill Winston has been doing some preaching on this of late, but uh, he actually um, received a lot of this teaching from Dr. Cho, um, who wrote a book uh, called The Fourth Dimension. And um, if you know anything about Dr. Cho, I, I think it's still this case, it's still this way. He pastors the largest church in the world in, in South Korea. Um, a, a, a mighty uh, man of God. And so this, this is terminology. You know, when you start talking about the invisible spiritual realm, well, that's one way, an, an accurate way of communicating it. But I think, you know, when we think of time, space, and matter as, as the three dimensions that we live and function in, then we add that fourth dimension of, of the spirit realm. Amen. And so we are four, you know, we are four-dimensionally connected uh, as born-again spirits, amen, and the Holy Spirit living inside of us, He provides this eternal connection to this fourth dimension of God's Spirit. And so we see then in Galatians 5 and 25, if we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. And I think this is really such an important verse here because the church today puts so many things within the context of heaven or hell. And, you know, can you do this and still go to heaven? If you do this, will you go to hell? And, 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 and so many things are, are in this, what I call cut and dried or all or nothing thinking, that we fail to understand, first of all, we are a spirit, we have a soul, we live in a body. Your spirit was born again, your soul was not, and your body was not. Your spirit and what God's done there is a completed work. What he's doing in your soul now is an ongoing process work. Amen. 
and then our body will one day be glorified and have a, a literally um, this body but glorified in the same way Jesus' earthly body was glorified and that's when our salvation will be complete. That's why the Bible says you have been saved, you are being saved, you shall be saved. It's not pick one, it's all three. Amen. Have been spirit, are being soul, will be your physical body. And I love to remind you of that and present that to you as often as I can fit it into a sermon. But he's saying that we live in the spirit. In other words, it's the spirit who gives life, the flesh profits nothing, Jesus said. The Holy Spirit inside of you is your eternal link to the life flow of God. You are spiritually connected. It's something we talk about somebody, man, that, man, that, that dude, she's connected, he's connected. You know, they, they've got connections, you know. Uh, I was talking to a, to a guy, we had this big pile of brush out here, and, you know, we want to know if we could um, burn it or not and um, get a permit from the city to burn it. And, and, of course, one of the guys standing out there, he said, well, I'll drop a match in it, better to ask, you know. No, 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 let's, let's, we don't want to do that, right? So this guy says, let me call the mayor. And he just calls the mayor and asks him, right? You know what I'm saying? So you think, man, that guy's connected. Amen. Well, listen, you, you have a direct connection to the creator of the universe. You are spiritually one and, and linked together with him. And that's a reality, that is an inward reality of the new birth if you have been born again. So he's saying if we, if we live in the Spirit, then let us also walk in the Spirit. So he's saying that we have this inward reality, this inward Spirit connection. Let's see how we can uh, you know, enable and allow that to, to transform the way we live our lives on a daily basis. Now, last week we said 3D glasses cannot see in 4D. In the same way that if you go to, a, to a, a 3D movie but don't have the 3D glasses, it's just going to look fuzzy on, on the screen. You, 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 can't, you can't see in four dimensions without a lens that will enable you to see it. Amen. And for you and me, that lens is the Word of God. The Word of God, I want you to think of it this way now, the Word of God is our 4D glasses. Amen. That's what I'm saying. If you want to know what the realm of the Spirit is like, here it is, right here in the Word. If you, if you want to know who you are in the eyes of God, here it is, right here, okay? And so what we, when we talk about, you know, being able to see things as they truly are, the Word of God tells us how things truly are. Now, three dimensions, time, space, and matter, right? That's, that can only tell you how it appears to be. And we see that Satan can easily manipulate the way things appear to be. That's why we've got to learn how to look at our lives, look at this world, look at everything about our lives through this uh, four-dimensional lens of the Word of God. Are you, are you following me? In other words, what does the Word say? That's one of the most important questions you can ever ask yourself. What does the Word say? What does the Word say about raising children? What does the Word say about marriage? What does the Word say about your right standing with God? What does the Word say about um, your, your mind and, and your emotions? What does the Word say about these things? We, we know what everything and everybody else has to say about these things, but we fail sometimes to align ourselves with and, and understand what, what God is saying. Now, one of the things that we've said several times, many times this year, is what you look to becomes the lens you look through. 
what you look to, this is taken out of Matthew, the sixth chapter, what you look to, not look at, look to, looking to something means you're, you're looking to that thing or to that person for, uh, uh, as a source for what you want and need. That's why most people on planet earth look to money. That's why Jesus said you can't serve God and money. If you look to money, you're going to despise God. And despise there doesn't mean hate. It means to treat him less than he actually is or deserves to be treated, to treat him lightly. Okay? So he said you're either going to cling to the one or the other. You, you can't serve both. You, you can't look to both for what you want and need in life. And so what you look to becomes the lens you look through. And so when I stand here in many different ways, preach this same thought and idea to you that we have to see things from heaven's perspective, that we have to see things the way God sees them, that we can't live the life that God created us to live looking at things through the lens of this world. That you were never meant to live in this world with a view of this world that comes from this world. We're to live in this world with a view of this world that comes from God. And now we're talking about this fourth dimension and the Bible being like 4D lenses. If you're not looking through the Word of God, things in this world are going to be very confusing. If you're not looking through the lens of the Word of God, things in this world are going to be very frustrating. And, And what happens is pastors, teachers, leaders in the body of Christ, they look through the lens of this world, right, at things going on in this world, and they climb into a pulpit, and they try to explain things, right, based upon religious traditions, philosophies of men, rudimentary elements of this world, amen, trying to make sense of things, right, looking through 3D lenses at a 3D world rather than looking through... um, the four-dimensional lens of God's Word that, that makes sense of everything. Are you understanding me this morning? All right, now, so watch this, though. So I can say this so many different ways till you can go tell other people about it better than I can tell it to you again, okay? But that's not the same as the significant shift that Father God is desiring to, to help every person listening to me right now make where we go from looking at things through the lens of this world to looking at things through the lens of His Word. Amen. That is, that, is the signif- that is one of the significant shifts that Father God is wanting to... Remember now, He's trying to get you to a place you can't get to on your own. He's trying to take you to a level of life and living and experiencing life and living in His goodness on levels that you cannot accomplish through your own efforts and through your own hard work and through your own ability. He's trying to take you somewhere that only He can take you. Amen. And this whole self-help mindset that we're going to learn some principles and go work on ourselves and, and, and get there without God, my friend, you are wasting your time. That's what he calls in, in Ephesians 4 the vanity, the vain thinking of the, of the human heart separated from God. So the Word of God is our 4D glasses. What you look to becomes the lens you look through. So the, the next logical point then would be, so look through the Word of God and let's move on. All right. But see, now watch this. What you look to becomes the lens you look through. Trying to see things through the lens of the Word will never work if you do not first look to the Word. 
Now you say, well, Pastor Mark, I'm not sure I'm following you. Stay with me because you've, you've got to see this because I believe what the Holy Spirit is doing here this morning is He's exposing some things in our lives and in our hearts that need to be exposed. He's revealing some deception that, that, that a lot of people have bought into. You know, I'm not trying to make this, listen to me please, I'm not trying to, well, thank you, Holy Spirit. What's, what's impossible for men is easy with God. If you're trying to make this significant shift without God, it's impossible. You'll never make it. But if you let Him help you, if you let Him help you, then that significant shift can occur today. Amen. It's not something that you have to you know, wait years and years and years uh, to do. Okay. Now, we see throughout the Word of God... And this is a really important piece of all this that I'm wanting to, to take the time to really dig into. But let me just introduce it or remind you again of it, okay? For instance, in Hebrews 12, when the Bible says, Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. Look uh, to the rock from which you were hewn. That's an Old Testament version of that New Testament passage. He's not just talking about glancing over at something. The, the literal meaning of those words begins with looking away from everything else only to Jesus. Looking away from unto is literally the, the, is how that would be literally translated. Looking away from to, looking away from to Jesus. Looking away from everything else and looking only to Jesus. All right? See, what a lot of people try to do is they try to keep looking to everything else and just add the Word of God in there alongside all the other things that they look to for help. They, 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 they try to bring the Word of God in as one opinion among many opinions, as one method among many methods, as one way of doing things among many ways of doing things. That's not looking to the Word. When you look to the Word, that means you are looking to the Word of God and the Word of God only. Amen. This younger generation has this, this, uh, this, and if I'm misusing this expression, please forgive me, but they call it ride or die. In other words, we're going with this, uh, and come hell or high watha, amen, we, we, this, is, this is what we're doing. This is how we're living. This is, this is the course that we're setting, uh, and we're looking to the Word, but looking to the, notice, let me say it another way. In order to see your life and this world through the lens of God's Word, you've got to look to His Word and His Word alone. Because the lens you look to becomes the lens you look through. People are trying to look through the lens of God's Word and see things through the lens of faith, faith by hearing, hearing by the Word of God, trying to do that without looking to the Word only. And they're wondering why they're confused. Now let me, let me try to show you this. John chapter 6, verses 68 and 69. But Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. Also, we have come to believe and to know that you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Now, what's going on here? In John the 6th chapter, Jesus is turning up the volume of truth, so to speak. He is, he is bringing some stronger truth, and that stronger truth is intended to break some stronger chains. Amen, because truth breaks chains. And strong truth breaks break strong chains. You've got strong chains in your life. You need some strong truth. Amen. And so Jesus is bringing some stronger truth. And the stronger truth is, if you don't eat my flesh and drink my blood, you can't be a part of me. And, of course, he wasn't talking about cutting off body parts and serving it to people to eat. 
His words are spirit and they are life. And he's talking about partaking in His offering, partaking in His sacrifice, receiving for ourselves what Jesus has done for us. This is covenant terminology. In those days when, in, in ancient times, when, when families would enter into covenants with one another to, to try to express the severity of breaking the covenant, they would say things like, like well, let's, let's start here. Kids today, you ever when you were a kid make a pinky promise, right? And, you know, cross my heart, hope to die, stick a needle in my eye. In other words, where, why would we say such crazy things and such ridiculous things as that? Well, we, that is all rooted back in ancient covenants. When, when people would make a covenant, they would say, look, do this, you know, I'll do this, you know, to try to uh, communicate to the other party they were in covenant with how seriously they were taking this. And, and so one of the things that, that they would say when they would enter into covenant with one another is that one family would say, if I have to kill one of my children and feed them to your children to keep your children alive, I'll do it. Now, I know that... that you think that's so ridiculous. Well, cross my heart, hope that I stick a needle in my eyes, ridiculous too, all right? But that's what they would say. That's how, that's how seriously they would take covenant, okay? And so this would have been things that people in that crowd would have understood. Because what we finally have is someone who's making a covenant that is going to do what so many people had said and never done. In that Father God, now to ratify the covenant that He's making with us, is going to feed to us the flesh of His Son and the blood of His Son so that we might live. It's a serious business here. Well, when the crowd hears this, they're offended by it. And the Bible says that people left Jesus uh, by the thousands, people who had followed Him, people who were, even some had risen to the level, commitment level of a disciple. But now... When Jesus says this, they're like, oh, that's too hard. I don't understand that. That don't make sense to me. And the Bible says that they left him to follow him no more. They left him to follow him no more. Now, l- let me just show you here what's going on. These people were looking to Jesus, but they were also looking to a whole bunch of other things. Now, when the dust settles at the end of the day, they're sitting around Jesus with his disciples, and he asked them a question. He says, are you guys going to leave me too? And this is when Peter says this. He says, where else would we go, Lord? You have the words of eternal life. And besides that, we've come to believe and know that you're the Christ, the Son of the living God. This is an example of someone who is looking to the Word of God. This is an example of someone who says, you know what, Jesus... I can't go anywhere else and hear uh, what I'm hearing from you. Nobody else has to give to me what you have to give to me. And I'm not going anywhere. I'm staying with you because I'm looking to you because you have the answers that nobody else has. That's, that's, That's the heart, that's the attitude of someone who is genuinely looking to the Word of God. Now here, are you ready for this? Peter didn't understand the sermon either. He had no idea what Jesus was talking about. The disciples sitting around, that sermon didn't make sense to them either. They didn't know what Jesus meant. But watch this now. Just because they didn't know what it meant didn't mean it was wrong. Just because they didn't understand it. See, if, if, you, if you've put every egg that you'll ever have in the basket of the Word of God, amen, if, 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 if your eternal life and daily life both are all everything in, all in on Jesus, amen, then when something happens that you don't understand, it doesn't phase you. 
When he says something that you don't understand, it doesn't faze you because you know he's right and you know he's good and you know he's kind and you know he's loving and you know that everything he's ever said and everything he's ever done has had your best interest in mind. And he makes all things work together for good to those who love the Lord. And so something happens that you don't understand. Something goes on in your life or you read something in the scriptures or somebody says something. He said, man, I don't, I don't really understand that. But you know what, Jesus, I ain't going nowhere. Because what I have in you, what I found in you, what I've realized in you, what I've experienced in you is proof enough for me that you're the Son of God. I've come to know and believe that you're the Son of God. But now watch what happens, though. The attitude was, I have no idea what you're talking about, but I know you're right, and so I'm, on, I'm, I'm hanging in here. Guess what? Jesus explained it to them. They were, they were the ones who received the explanation. They were the ones who received, are you ready, the light. You see, revelation or light, meaning the ability to see, guess what? It's given in proportion to one's desire and diligence for it. Remember some weeks ago we used the example of, of the flip-down sunglasses and um, how my children wasn't a fan of me wearing those. Amen. So you, 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 y'all know what those are. They clip on right here and you flip them up. Then when the sun comes, you flip them down. See, that's the way a lot of people try to do with, with the Word of God. They, they try to flip it up. That's good, brother. Right? Now, now notice I'm looking through these glasses. So this would be represent like the view of the world that comes from the world. Okay? And then they want to flip it down. But see, these lenses are still on me. This is what you got to do. You got to take these off. And now... Right? Because as long as you're looking through the lens of this world and you try to do this lens overlay thing, it's, it's just going to get more and more fuzzy. But it's, it's people preaching and teaching the Word of God who have a view of the world that comes from this world and then through the view of the world that comes through the world, they start looking at the Word of God from that perspective. This is why people don't believe Jesus was born of a virgin. Because if you look at this world with the view of this world that comes from this world, it's impossible for a virgin female to become impregnated and so they read this in the bible and they say well that you know that's that can't be now we're not saying jesus is the son of god but that's not how he got here see because as long as you've got the view of the world that comes from the world and that's what you're looking through amen right which is because you're looking to the world instead of looking to heaven y'all following along at home amen you see you, you follow what i'm saying so now you see something in the, in the in the in the scriptures and you go well that's no way that could be that's that's impossible. That's, that doesn't make sense. See, if you, get, if you get the view of the world that comes from the world, if you get those glasses off and you start looking at it through the lens of faith, I've heard it, I've heard it said this way, in the beginning God created the heaven and the earth. If you don't have a problem with that, you're not going to have a problem with anything that follows in the scriptures. But if you have a problem with that, amen. I mean, if God can create a human body, and, and all the amazing stuff science even still don't fully understand, ability for a male and a female to join together and produce another human being. If God can do that, <laughs> amen, right? Okay, you got it already. Now, so we've been trying to rule in a 3D world without a 4D perspective. And it's not working. And it'll never work. We were created to have dominion in this earth. But as long as we're trying to rule 
and reign in life without the 4D perspective that we were created to have. It'll never work. All right? Now, Jesus walked by faith in the Spirit. And we said that these are defining practices of the Christian life. This isn't for the extreme fanatic, but this is how it was meant to be done. This is how we were created to live. Now, how will, I've been asking this question now for weeks, how will your situation ever change for the better if you continue to respond to it based upon the way it appears to be? How will it ever change for the better? Now, let's, let's go back to something we said earlier. Remember, Father God's trying to get you from here to here. He, he's, he's trying to get you to a level of life experience that you can't get to on your own. All right? And, and the way to get there, listen very carefully now, according to Isaiah, the way to get there is a path you've never traveled before. What does that mean? It means it's a way of doing things that you, you haven't done yet. It's, it's, a, it's an approach, it's a methodology, it's practices, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a perspective, all these things, completely foreign to the one that you're familiar with, completely different to the things you've tried before, completely different to the answers of this world, Com- completely foreign, amen, to, to how religion says you, you take those next steps and move up to those next levels, all right? Now, we ended last week with this simple point, all right? God said we have too many thermometers in the church and not enough thermostats. Stay with me now, okay? A thermometer constantly states things the way they are. Okay? Thermometer will tell you what the temperature is in this room. And every time you look at it, it'll tell you what the temperature is in this room. If the temperature in this room changes, it'll tell you what the temperature room, what the temperature in this room is currently, okay? That's all the thermometer does is it responds to the way things are. Are you seeing this? Okay, that's a thermometer. I'm going to ask you the question again. How will your situation ever change for the better if you continue to respond to it based upon the way it appears to be? Based upon the way it appears to be. Think about how many words you speak in a day that are thermometer-based thinking. Meaning, you're just simply saying what something is. You're just simply giving the 2 o'clock reading. Somebody call you, hey, you having a good day? Well, yeah, pretty good day. And so here we go. Thermometer, 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 thermometer. You follow me? Yeah, yeah. You you feeling any better? Well, no, not really. (laughs) Did you sleep well last night? No, man, I'm so tired. That, that situation with your daughter, has that gotten any better? Oh, man, she, you should have heard how she was acting this morning before school. See, just, just again, we're responding. First response is always verbal, right? What are we doing? We're responding to the way things are. That's what a thermometer does. A, a, a constant reading, okay? 
A thermostat, on the other hand, looks to the way things should be and sets a course for change. All right? Looks at the way things should be and sets a course for change. How, how do we know how things should be? The Word. What does the Word say about how things should be with your children? What does the Word say about how things should be in your finances? What does the Word say about how things should be in your health, your physical body? How does the Word say things should be in your mental, emotional health? The Bible says you have been given a spirit of fear, but a power, love, and a sound mind. The joy of the Lord. The peace of God. See, how, how, much, how much comes out of our mouth talking about how worried we are, how concerned we are, how anxious we are, how afraid we are. I'm asking the Holy Spirit to make me aware of it and you aware of it. How many times we begin a sentence with saying, I'm afraid. I'm afraid that's not going to work out. I'm afraid that's not going to do. I'm afraid that's not going to hold. I'm afraid that's not going to say. I'm afraid. I'm, we don't even, we've just become so accustomed to it that, that again, that's thermometer speaking there. A thermostat looks to the way things should be and sets a course for change. Now, a few more points on this, then a, a Bible verse, and then and we'll, I think, have enough covered for this morning, all right? A thermostat understands the vital connection it has to something much larger and more powerful than itself. Can we go with this for a minute? Y'all still with me? Now, I know those of you watching online, you can't see it, but this big room, um, it's basically 100 foot by 100 foot. We've got three, I forget, is, are they eight-ton units, Marcos? Anyway, big ones, big ones. Have you ever been back there? Really big ones, okay. And um, there's one little box on the wall over there, and then there's two little boxes over there because there's one thermostat for each of those big units back there, Okay. And I know I'm being silly here, but you do understand that little box over there doesn't change the temperature. See, it's hard to say it without saying it right. I mean, without, without saying it wrong, I mean. All right. Stay with me. That thermostat understands it has a vital connection to something much larger and more powerful than itself. Let's go, let's go to your house, for example, Okay. The little box on the wall is connected to some very large box in the backyard. You with me? The little box on the wall is connected to a big box in the backyard. That's what I mean by the vital connection. You live in the Spirit, walk in the Spirit. The Holy Spirit is your vital connection to the power of God in the Spirit realm. The thermostat doesn't look to the thermometer. Are you with me? It doesn't look to the thermometer. It looks to the 8-ton HVAC unit to change the temperature in the room. Now here's the example of this. Jesus said, I can of my own self do nothing. 
The Father who dwells in me does the works. Jesus on this earth as a man, he recognized that he was a little box connected to a big box. He recognized that he was a thermostat and that his father was the HVAC unit, amen, that could change any situation that he dealt with in his earthly ministry. Because the thermostat is looking to something bigger than itself. Come on now, you got to get this. Because the thermostat is looking to something much bigger than itself to do the work and produce the change, it remains immune from doubt when the thermometer doesn't instantly reflect the new setting. With the way this room is built, when it's 80, 90 degrees outside, it is hot, hot, hot in here. So if I come in here and it's, you know, 85 degrees in here and we want it to be 72 degrees in here for, ser- for service. And I go over to that thermostat and it's not like the old thermostats. Those are digital thermostats. So you actually have a thermometer built into the thermostat. In other words, it tells me right there, 85 degrees. Man, people be sweating in here at 85 degrees. We, we need to change this. We, 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 we can't deal. We, we, we got to have it cooler in here for people to come and, and worship the Lord, right? So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to not focus on the thermometer now. I'm going to look. I'm going to go to the thermostat, right? And I'm going to set it. I'm going to set a course for change. I'm going I'm to set it on 72 Okay, And I'm going to know the connection was made. But now watch this. If I'm boring you, I'm not trying to bore you. Just stay with me. So I set that, therm- that, that thermostat to 72. But the thermometer still says 85. Are you following me? But I'm not looking to the thermometer. The thermostat doesn't say, oh, well, it didn't work. No. The thermometer's the thermometer's not moved. The thermostat's not moved by the thermometer because it knows the thermometer is just giving us a reading. Amen. The, what is the thermostat doing? The thermostat is looking to the big box in the backyard to make the change. And if the change doesn't happen that fast, the thermometer doesn't sweat it because the thermometer knows the, ther- the thermostat knows that the thermometer is just a reading. Are you ready? What kind of reading it is? It's a fact. It's not the truth. It was a fact when I set that thermostat to 72. The facts were it was 85 in here. Come back 45 minutes later, the facts are going to be different. It's probably going to say about 82. Are you, are you following this? Because the thermostat is looking to something much bigger than itself to do the work and produce the change. The Bible says that when the farmer plants the seed... He goes to bed and he sleeps by night and he rises by day, right? He's not, he's not stressed, he's not frustrated, right? Because he, even though he doesn't know how, he knows that when he takes that seed and puts it in the right soil at the right time under the right conditions, that he just engaged something bigger than himself, He knows now that by doing his part, 
he has, through this, again, four-dimensional, this is God, right? How a seed can produce what it produces. It's the Word of God, actually, that says seed time and harvest will not cease. The thermostat is looking to something much bigger than itself to do the work and produce the change. Even, even if you don't understand. See, that's where the devil gets so many of us. We, we, we set the course for change. Then we five seconds later, we look to the thermometer to see if it worked. We, we want to feel something. We want, we, want a, we want some physical, visible confirmation that what we've done, right, is working. That's why we get, we get so focused on the thermometer. That thermostat's not looking to the thermometer to produce the change. It's looking for something much bigger. Are you following me? This is what we mean by by looking unto Jesus. This is what we mean by looking, or the word means, by looking to the rock from which you were hewn. Looking to the hills. My help comes from the Lord. Looking to the thermometer means you're no longer looking to the AC unit, no longer looking to the source and power of change. This is where the doubt comes. All right, one, one last passage and then we'll, amen. Here's the connection for all of us. Job 22 and 28. He says, you, you, who's he talking to? You shall declare a thing and it will be established for you so light will shine on your ways. What is he saying? In the same way that a thermostat declares a thing that will be established by the big box in the backyard. Amen. You declare a thing and it will be established for you by God. Jesus walked by faith in the Spirit. Jesus declared to the fig tree... Let no one eat fruit from you ever again. The next morning, it was dried up from the root. Am I right about it? The next morning, it was dried up from the root. Now, I want to read the entire passage to you this morning and we'll pray. Job chapter 22, beginning at verse number 21. He says, Now... Acquaint yourself with Him, with God, and be at peace. The more acquainted you become with God, the more peace you will experience and enjoy in your life. Amen? Thereby good will come to you. So the more you live in peace, the more good will manifest in your life. See, the opposite of this is stressed out, frustrated, confused, worried, almost in a panic state. All that's doubt and unbelief. And what does the Bible say? Let not that man or woman uh, suppose they'll receive anything from God. Acquaint yourself with Him, be at peace, 
and thereby good will come to you. Receive, please, instruction from God's mouth and lay up His words in your heart. If you return to the Almighty, you will be built up. You will remove iniquity far from your tents. Then you will lay your gold in the dust and the gold of Ophir among the stones of the brooks. Yes, the Almighty will be your gold and your precious silver. For then you will have your delight in the Almighty and lift up your face to God. Verse 26 basically summarizes what God's been saying to us on Wednesday nights and Sunday mornings this entire year. Make your delight in the Almighty, fellowship, lift up your face to God, look to Him, and then see from His perspective. You will make your prayer to Him, He will hear you, and you will pay your vows. You will also declare a thing, and it will be established for you, so light will shine on your ways. Hear it once again from the message translation. Give in to God. In other words, quit. when He says acquaint yourself with Him, Quit, quit being at odds with Him. Agree with Him and agree with Him quickly. Give in to God. Come to terms with Him and everything will turn out just fine. Let Him tell you what to do. Take His words to heart. Come back to God Almighty and He'll rebuild your life. Clean house of everything evil. Relax your grip on your money and abandon your gold-plated luxury. To live in poverty? No. God Almighty will be your treasure. More wealth than you can imagine. You'll take delight in God, the Mighty One, and look to Him joyfully, boldly. You'll pray to Him and He'll listen. He'll help you do what you've promised. You'll decide what you want and it will happen. Your life will be bathed in light. Amen. Stand with me this morning and praise God. Praise the name of the living God. Praise the name of the living God. All right, now, here's my question for you. What, what, are, you, what are you declaring? Amen. See, whether you understand this or not, what comes out of your mouth, if there had been, I, I'm being silly when I say this, I'm obviously speaking to you as a man, but, but the Holy Spirit inspired James to use the bit in the mouth of the horse the uh, rudder um, on the underneath of a ship, uh, the spark that sets on fire a forest, and if it had been available to him in that same way, he would have compared the words that we come out of our mouth to a thermostat that determines the environment in which we live, the climate, if you will, in which we live. Amen. What are, what are you declaring? What see whether you say I don't I'm not sure I believe all this, Pastor Mark. Well, let me tell you something. It, it, it's working for you or against you. Because death and life's in the power of your tongue. See, that's the same thermostat that'll make it colder in here, or make it hotter in here. Again, based upon the course that we set. Okay. Now. We can teach this, and I can even try to make it more simple and more plain than I made it this morning. But no matter how simple and how plain I make it, it can be no substitute for me and you doing it. What are you declaring over your finances? 
What are you declaring over your health? What are you saying? You see when the devil wants you to say stuff like, oh, she makes me sick. My feet are killing me. That pie's to die for. What? What are, what are we doing? What are we doing? What are you declaring? Are you declaring over your children that all your children are tall of the Lord and great shall be the peace of your children? Or are you calling them rugrats? Oh, I don't, I don't mean anything by that, Pastor Mark. Well, if I accidentally set that thermostat to a wrong setting, oh, I didn't mean to turn it up. I meant to turn it down. Amen. Amen. Father, as we stand before you this morning, I believe that the Holy Spirit is in this room. I believe that he's moving in and out amongst the people in this room. And Father, I thank you that, that he is revealing things to us as individuals. Things, Father, that, that we need to begin to declare. Settings, Father, a new course. Set a new course, Lord, in our lives by recognizing our vital connection to you, to the realm of your spirit. And Father, that we can act as thermostats, Lord, in our own lives, in this world, for you and for your glory. Lord, you said declare a thing and you would establish it for us. Father, that is a very true and very powerful verse, but it begins with coming into alignment with you, coming into agreement with you, finding our delight in you, looking to you, allowing your word uh, place in our lives and hiding it in our hearts, laying it up in our lives. Father, so many things that are related and connected, but yet it's undeniable, Father. Your desire for your children is for us to declare a thing and you establish it. Lord, thank you for helping us see and understand this, Father. Thank you for helping us see and understand, Lord, how you want us to look to you and look to your word and see things the way you would have them to be in our lives and then respond by faith based upon that vision. Lord, we love you. We thank you for helping us. We thank you for being so patient with us. Father, let me, let me be the first to say I am so thankful that you have not given me everything that I've said in my life because I've said some pretty, pretty uh, ignorant things, Lord. But, Father, I thank you that, that we're growing up into Jesus in all things. And just as he spoke to the fig tree, you said that we could speak to the fig tree, and he said we could even speak to a mountain and that it would move. Any obstacle in our lives, Father, any obstacle in our lives that's between us and our destiny, Father, we can declare it moved and it will go. In Jesus' name. Father, thank you for a beautiful week ahead. May our light so shine before others that they see our good works and glorify you in heaven. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Thank you so much for being here today. I pray that you have a blessed week. We'll see you on Wednesday, if not before.